Welcome into another post-game edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad, Andrew Gillis, Mike Nislik back at it again for the first post-game pod in almost two weeks. Hard to believe it's been that long, but time is a flying. The Bengals are flying. They are six and four after a 37-30 win over their arch rivals in Pittsburgh. They finally get that first elusive divisional win number one. It wasn't pretty, especially in the first half, but just as the Bengals have been in most of their games, especially their close wins, they were a second half team, especially defensively. They only allowed a field goal and really a little touchdown at the end when the game was out of reach. But yeah, a lot of good things from Joe Burrow, 355 yards, four touchdowns, two picks that were just tipped out of his reach. But yeah, this was, uh, again, I think that's the best way to say it. Not the prettiest, not the cleanest, but a win is a win. They're 6-4. and four. They are staying competitive in the playoff push, and this was a much-needed win. It's going to keep you in the playoff push. It's on the road. It's at your divisional rival. You avenge that week one loss. Everything you could ask for from a win uh, for this Bengals team. Yeah, th- this was the one you couldn't drop. I mean, you were, you're were you playing a 3-6 and six team on the road with you know, a rookie quarterback. This was just not a game that you could afford to lose, considering if you look at uh, you know kind of what happened around the, around the AFC today, Buffalo won, Baltimore won, New England won. I know that came at the hands of the Jets. Um, the Chargers are playing right now as we speak, and actually they took a lead right as we were walking in here. So, like, this was a win that you had to have against this particular team because we've talked for weeks about kind of what's coming, and, well, now it's here because Tennessee's on deck. Tennessee's going to win the AFC South. Like, Tennessee's right there, and then you got to come home and play Kansas City, and then you got to play Cleveland, like – it's not an easy it's not an easy stretch so this was one you had to have um it was dicey at the beginning you you kind of looked at it as kind of maybe one of those games like somebody in the press box made a joke like after the first two drives like first one to 13 wins and i mean boy was that wrong um because as the game kind of wore on um the bengals just you could tell that the bengals were the better team um they they just kind of slowly pulled away as the game went along uh, especially in that second half, the defense turned it up. Um, the offense scored, uh, what, they scored 20 points in the second half after scoring 17 in the first. So, I mean, it was a, it was a pretty solid performance um, all around. The first half defense left something to be desired for sure. Uh, but this was a win that you, you needed and they got. Well, I mean, it really came down to they played a sloppy two minutes at the end of the first half. That could have been costly, but it wasn't. Um, they lucked out. I mean, not lucked, but uh, they kind of came out of halftime with a, a better defensive game plan and shut them down. Three straight three and outs. I mean, I mean Pittsburgh takes a 27 lead, 2017 lead going into halftime, scored 10 minutes in that, that stretch. Um, and, you know, those are kind of the where football games are won and lost. Coaches say for the last two minutes of the first half, first two minutes of the second half, uh, they were able to bounce back in this one. You know, Kenny Pickett, I know you've kind of um, said that he, he, did, he didn't play well, but I thought he actually made some, some really nice throws, um, kept them um, competitive, I think, until the second half when the Bengals kind of talent just sort of won out, and defensively they weren't making um, as many mistakes. I mean, you know, one of the, the drives, they had two penalties in the secondary that allowed um, Pittsburgh to go the length of the field and, and get a touchdown. I, I, you didn't see that in the second half. Um, they didn't get to Kenny Pickett a whole lot. I was really impressed with the way the Steelers blocked, um, you know, throughout that game. Really, uh, you know, they got him in, in the second half, I think, what, twice? Two sacks in the second half? The yeah, two sacks. Two sacks. Uh, but still, that's a pretty good day after giving yeah. up 12 the last two weeks. Yeah, I mean, he uh, dropped back to pass 42 times. Yeah, he threw so, the ball 42 times. Uh, so it was a, you know, I, I thought that was um, 
interesting dynamic that you know they they couldn't get to him, uh, but they still uh, managed to kind of lock things down um, in that second half and, and pull out the win. Yeah, you made a good point, Michael. I agree with you about Kenny Pickett. I think in the first half he was not bad because, I mean, the Bengals didn't sack him once, and that is because you know, and we kind of talked about it this week. Is he more mobile? Is he more athletic compared to Mitch Trubisky, who the Bengals had to deal with in that Week One season opener? And he did look pretty mobile. I think he looked too comfortable at times. I mean, especially, I know he got help with two defensive pass interference penalties that I think were questionable, which is another conversation. But even then, aside from that, that drive where they capped it off with the Pickens touchdown uh, that tied it at 17 before that field goal, like Mike mentioned, which was part of that kind of sloppy little ending there, he did look good. And there's another point we talked about, and I think I talked with you about this, Michael, is that the Bengals have traditionally struggled against rookie quarterbacks. One in seven in their last eight games. And the last win, and the only win they had against one, was Trevor Lawrence last year, which still came at the hands of a double-digit comeback on Thursday night last year. So, again, they cleaned it up in the second half. They didn't allow no less than 125 yards of total offense. We've talked about it. They are a second-half defense, excuse me. Uh, And I know that's something Lou Anarumo wants to kind of turn into just the overall defense compared to what we saw today. But, yeah, I don't know. I think a lot of it was just maybe a little bit of the element of surprise. I think he was just that mobile, and I think if – he wasn't a rookie. If he was more settled in, like, say, Joe Burrow, for example, which we'll get to, um, I think it would have been different. I think he probably would have been tougher to handle. So I think that's something to think about moving forward. But I think a lot of it was communication. I know Cam Taylor, Britt, Eli Apple got burned a couple times, including the one touchdown from Pickens. That looked like it was just kind of a communication breakdown in the defensive backfield. So I think that's something you can clean up moving forward. But I don't know. I think at times, at least in the first half, you could tell they really missed Chidobia Wuzier. And I think the Bengals would still win as they did today, but it definitely would have been a lot cleaner, I think, if he was there. Yeah, I mean, in the first half, like, I don't, yeah, I mean, Pickett wasn't horrible. Um, you know, he avoided, we, we talked about this on our, on our podcast, like, before the game. Uh, going into today, he had two touchdowns and eight interceptions. Like, he, he was really kind of hurting the Steelers in, in more ways than just not being super, super great. Um, so he, he was really kind of hurting him in that regard, and he didn't do that today. Um, you know, but at the end of the game, they went on a 72-yard drive. All you know, 71 of those yards were uh, were through the air. That was kind of when the Bengals had basically resigned themselves to the fact of, all right, keep them in bounds. If they score, whatever, just don't make it. You know, don't make it too quick. Um, so it, to me, it was just a matter. Like if you go back and look at it, like the Pickens touchdown, like it was a nice throw. Pickens was open. Like there were just there were holes in the in the secondary that, it, that you didn't really expect to see um, from this defense, and and even the front seven I don't think was was super great in, at defending the run. Um, Najee Harris had uh, five point one yards of carry at the break, and and I mean his 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 leap into the end zone was outstanding, um, where he kind of I get what did Mike, Mike you tweeted what he posterized, posterized. Yeah, posterized. Yeah, it was like the football version of posterizing. Um, so yeah, I, I mean. To me, it, it was more of the Bengals just kind of they, – they took away the easy stuff, and that was what the Steelers were killing them with. Like, I, I don't know if it was necessarily that, you know, they were – the Steelers were doing things or scheming things up that the Bengals weren't ready for. I just think they were giving them too much. And when they closed that door, I mean, it kind of went away quickly. So, um, yeah, to, to me, this I mean, the defense, like, they gave up that field goal at the very end – or in the, in the third quarter – and then the Garbo time touchdown, but that field goal came when when T.J. Watt picked off Joe Burrow. Like Joe Burrow kind of joked after the game where he was just like, "I've never seen a defensive end make a play like that before, and now he's made that play against me twice, 
and I wish I could do something about it, but there is nothing I can do about that. And he's absolutely right. So, like, you know, to me, the defense, I mean, the second half defense this year has been outstanding. Um, absolutely. You know, save, for, save for a few games here. Like, the Panthers game was all garbage time right. in, in that second half. With Baker uh, and then the Browns course. game was the Hindenburg. But, like, aside from that, everything else has been really, really good in the second half. So, whatever they're doing, they got to keep it. Yeah, of course, and there's always things to get better at, even if it's the little communications, the little breakdowns. They've been great, and again, it's not going to be the same without Cheeto, but whatever they're doing now, if they can add on that, like you said, yeah, they they will be in a better position at least compared to maybe where we were. I remember a couple weeks ago when we were having the DEFCON level 5 or... I don't even remember what we classified it as, but you're right. Whatever the worst DEFCON was, that was... Level 5, I well, think? No, I, I think know. that was if they lost to the Panthers. I, well, I thought it was depth-related, that if you lose some... Well, that was, that was and, very... And it was injury-related. I mean, they're still very thin um, at the spot. So, um, you know, and, and there's still, like, there's going to be mistakes. Uh, you saw kind of the miscommunication. Um, and that's, I think, a symptom of having a new sort of... Uh, you know, this was only the, what, second game Eli Apple and Cam Taylor Britt... Uh, have played together in, uh, in the first uh, true started. real game together because I mean that Panthers game well, that was one of the second game. That um, it's yeah, second game. It wasn't an FCS started. game. Um, <laughs> and so I mean that, it's going to take time for them. And, and you know, uh, Lou Hunter almost said they were going to lean on the safeties. The, you know, the veteran safeties kind of make sure the communications all, all works. But I think there's going to be mistakes, and they're going to keep getting tested. You know, the, the Steelers went after Cam Taylor Britt, uh, especially early on. Uh, he had to make a lot of plays, make a lot of tackles. Um, to sort of uh, you know prevent uh, bigger plays from happening, and he mostly answered the bell except for one play against uh, was it Fryermuth? I, I don't know. Honestly. Pat Fryermuth. Uh, that's Pat right. Pat Fryermuth. Uh, that I talked to him after the game about, and he said he got talked to by Lou after that play, and he's like, you can't go high against a guy that's like six eight and you know two hundred seventy pounds or whatever. He's, it's like you can't do that. So I mean, there's going to be uh, sort of bumps in the road for them, um, you know, at, in the secondary. I think just because you know that they're playing. Um, you know, they were out their best player. Well, I'll tell you who really gave him a talking was Jesse Bates because whenever, and this was kind of in that sort of sloppy last two minutes of the first half, like you mentioned, Pickett throws deep to Pickens. I always get their names mixed up, Pickett, Pickens. But he throws deep to Pickens, who was wide open and only just happened to fall down because he just tripped up in the end zone. And Bates was looking at him like, don't ever leave him wide open again. And so uh, I think having someone like Jesse Bates talk to you is a good stern warning. But, you know... Like you said, I think defensively, things to work on, but they are in good shape. Offensively, man, how about the fact that Joe Burrow wasn't throwing to, of course, not Jamar Chase. He's still injured. We'll see what happens with that next week uh, against the Titans. But no Jamar Chase. Yeah, you got T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. And, man, T. Higgins, that's actually something I want to get to real quick before I get to the point I was going to make. I mean, Higgins, most receiving yards in a game this season, about 148 on nine catches, especially on that second-to-last drive the Bengals had in the first half. You go to him three times, four times on that drive, the three times straight, four times on that drive. It just seemed like he was, I would say, Mr. Dependable. Wouldn't you guys agree? I mean, you need a guy like that when, Absolutely. when you don't have you Jamar Chase. Um, you know, he didn't have a touch until the, until that drive. Uh, I don't even know if he had a target um, oh, yeah. through, the, through the first couple of drives there. Um, so, that, I mean, when you get T. Higgins involved, I think good things happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, when you have guys like T. I mean, we talked about this when Jamar went down. Like, it, everybody just kind of fills their role. Like, 
you know, T. Higgins is a number one receiver who's just so happens to be a number two on this team. Tyler Boyd's a number well, two. Well, let's slow your roll there. I think is what they've been saying that he's a number one receiver. And without Jamar Chase, he hasn't played it. Well, this was the first time this week in these. Yeah, oh, he was great today. That he played that way. I mean, those first two games. I mean, half of his production was that garbage time touchdown against the Browns. Right. Otherwise, yeah, the Browns like, game was not good. Otherwise, he has like fifty yards receiving in those two two games without Chase. I mean, they won the one running the ball a lot, but it's not like they thought. They could take advantage of that matchup, so they did it. So they went away from it. And so I think this was the first game. You know, apparently he he went to uh, uh, Taylor and uh, Brian Callahan and was pushing them. Saw some things on those first couple of drives. He wasn't targeted. Talked to them about it and kind of called his own shots. Said we sh- we should do this, this, and this. Uh, and they listened to him. And that's when he kind of got involved. And Taylor said they were winning a lot of you know one on one matchups. Essentially, that he was kind of beating his man and Burrow was finding him. This was, I thought, the first time he played like that number one receiver that they've kind of made the case that he is, you know, numbers-wise, sure. But, I mean, without Jamar Chase, it's a different world. And today I thought it was different. He was making – so they made a couple spectacular catches, that one leap, leaping one on the sideline, gets the wind knocked out of yep. him, uh, you know, sacrifices his body to make the catch. That other one, that low one, I think you made a noise on that catch. Like, ooh. When uh, a Burrow threw it low when he caught it in stride, uh, he had to make a two-handed catch. Yeah. Oh, yeah, low, I remember that. Low and behind him, that's a, that's a really – difficult catch to make. Uh, today, like I thought... Really strong, what are they, arrogant hands, I think that's what they call it. Yeah, um, he was really and, good. Uh, that's a like good terminology right there. I don't know there. if his hands are mean. I, they, I mean, I, I don't know about that, but his, they, you <laughs> know, he, he played, feelings too. He played, he played like that tonight, um, <laughs> yeah. and they needed it until Tyler Boyd kind of came alive on that last drive, uh, but it was really all T. Higgins there for that stretch from like the second yeah. to third quarter. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> arrogant hands, I like that. I mean, hey... We all have feelings, including hands, but, you know, in all seriousness, uh, that's exactly right. And, hey, I mean, hopefully the Bengals get Jamar Chase back against the Titans. If not, you know, you still have him. And I was going to say to the point I was making moments ago, how about Samaje Pirine and how about Trent Irwin? Irwin gets robbed of a touchdown, which I firmly believe he was robbed of against the Panthers two weeks ago when he was called up from the practice squad in that game. And then he redeems himself with a goal line catch on third down that gave the Bengals that go-ahead score, which made the difference. And then going back to Pirine, not one, not two, but three touchdowns. He has three touchdowns entering this game. In this season, at least, he had three touchdowns. And then he has three alone on Sunday. And, of course, with Joe Mixon um, not returning in the second half due to uh, concussion protocol, which I'm sure that's something to follow uh, in the coming days, of course. I mean, even without Joe Mixon, and with Joe Mixon, too, because two of those touchdowns came in the first half, that just really shows you have depth at that position. And if, well, I you know, you that, have, that, that was big. Well, I think you have depth to a point. I think he's a very specific type of role player. Right. I mean, his rushing right. numbers. Right, but his rushing numbers, 11 carries, 30 yards. Um, you know, 2.7 yards per carry. That's not sort of what you. Yeah, want they didn't exactly spot. run the ball. Super uh, they had 24 carries, 62 yards overall. I think the question going forward, if Mixon misses time, um, if Chris Evans obviously is out, he would I think be the guy that you would probably go to on first and second down if you in a kind of yeah. perfect world if he was healthy and P Ryan would still be your third down back. I don't think he's the type of back that they want to sort of ride running the ball. Um, right. No, I, I, well. I, I don't know. I think you can because um, that's not that's not the primary role. I think. That's no, I know. Like I, I think you well, can. Well, I think, but I think his. Uh, you know, I, I think the Steelers kind of underestimated tackling him when he got out in space yeah, he, and he got ahead of steam. But I'm not sure he's that sort of. 
in between the tackles has the athleticism. No, to I, I think you can get to the secondary. Touchdown. I think you can do that. I think you can run him as a primary back. I just think you're going to have to sub a little bit more than you would maybe with Mixon, uh, like the Mixon P Ryan split. I think that that gets because it'd be hard for him to be the main pass blocker and well, that's, yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like and yeah. the main back and the guy that goes out and catches the pass. Like I mean, you yeah. got to sacrifice something. And right. they like him. And he's very good in the role he has, which is why I'm saying you probably want to go. Evans on first down and second down. I mean, I know that he hasn't got much playing time this year, um, but that is something to look for kind of going forward um, against some teams where you probably want to run the ball a little bit and, and run some time off the clock and, and, and get and uh, have that option. You know, uh, Zach Taylor talked about after the Panthers game, he didn't say which games, but he said he could see having a similar game planning that they did against the Panthers in this back half of the season. Um, and obviously head injuries are sort of that wild, you know, kind of question mark. Right on now, yeah. yeah. And you think about what went right on that first touchdown, which was a screen pass, and you think about what went right everywhere in between. This offensive line was far from perfect. T.J. Watt being T.J. Watt still had a pick and a sack. But besides that, and a half sack from Cam Hayward, only two sacks allowed compared to, what, seven in the first game. This is one of the best games this offensive line has had this season, and how fittingly it comes in a rematch against one of the best pass-rushing units in the NFL, um, again, this was a rematch revenge game in many ways. And offensively on that front line, you know those guys were going to learn a lot from that game where they just had that nasty taste in their mouth where they just did not have that. They spit it out coming into this game, and they showed. And, you know, I know you mentioned uh, what uh, Joe Burrow said about just T.J. Watt making the interception. I mean, yeah, T.J. Watt, is, look, that guy was defensive player of the year for a reason. And if he didn't hurt his pectoral in that first game, funny enough, against the Bengals, I think he'd still be in the conversation because today he still definitely looked like it, but he was a defensive player of the year who still didn't have a better performance than he could have had. Um, of course, there's always things you want to improve on. I still think that with the one sack that Collins, Lyle Collins gave up to TJ Watt, it was, uh, I think he kind of fell down from looking at it. But overall, it seemed like Joe Burrow, and I'm going to quote Zach Taylor to say this, the whole world could be falling down or something along those lines. And Joe Burrow will still be dancing through the rain, doing what he did today, carrying the team the way he did. And so, yeah, credit you, to them. I don't think you quoted Zach Taylor. He did not say anything about dancing in the rain. I don't no, think I said dancing in the rain. I'm saying but he said... said you were to quote Zach Taylor. Okay, he said word for word, even if the world were coming down or if the world was falling apart, he would still be comfortable. Maybe say you're summing up his words. Yeah. I'm so, okay, there you <laughs> go. Paraphrasing. Hey, Fair, that's okay, you've been doing this longer than me, Mike. I got your safety. We found the word. Paraphrasing. I'm going to quote Zach Taylor and say, <laughs> I don't like the Steelers. No, I don't like what you said. Um, <laughs> no, it, 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 you can tell this game meant something to them. I mean, they were upset. Uh, you know, they spent the you know they spent the week before the game saying it's you know it's a big game, it's a rivalry game, but we got to go one and zero. Blah blah blah. But uh, after the game, you know, you see uh, the, the Bengals media account tweeted out the, the video of, of yeah. Burrow saying, you know, we're the dogs now or whatever he said, uh, yelling at Steelers fans. Uh, and, and that emotion comes from, you know, look, that first game was really ugly. And that's a game that sort of set the tone for it was demoralizing. Uh, that, that start. So, I mean, you know, you get back on track here. Uh, and, and, you know, you've talked about the schedule. Uh, this was a game against a team that's not very good, so you've got you've to yeah. win it. Like, you you got to win the gimmies. And, and this is a rivalry that's been, you know, really one-sided since uh, Burrow got here, and, and you could tell that, the, that it meant something to them. And 
you know, they're dealing with some injuries, and, and they still got it. And, you know, you talked about Bro spent a lot of time yeah. in press conference talking about adversity and all that. So, obviously, you know, as much as they said during the week that, it's, you know, oh, we got to go 1-0 and it's the next game, uh, it obviously meant something, I think, going back to that opener where uh, they did not like to lose. And they didn't like, I don't think, how they lost. Well, that, they gave yeah. away, well, you know, three times. That's what I was going to say. Like, you, you gave it away. Like, Joe Burrow threw four interceptions, fumbled one other time, like, you handed Pittsburgh that game because you, you had the turnovers, uh, you had the seven sacks, you had the, I mean, obviously this was kind of out of their control, but the long snapper goes down, and then you have a game, what would have been a game-winning one-after attempt get blocked, you have a field goal attempt in overtime get blocked, um, you have the mismanaged punt situation, um, and we can get into the special teams today in a minute, um, but like like you said, I think they did take it personally because like that was a game that we, we've talked about for sure that they let slip through their fingers. I don't think anybody would talk about that Steeler game and say that, you know, you know the Bengals were the worst team in that game or the Steelers clearly outplayed them or anything like that. You know, the Bengals really kind of screwed themselves that night. So uh, I thought Joe made an interesting point, Joe Burrow, that is in his post-game presser when he was talking Joey, about Joey, as you call him after the, after the games. Joey? You were like Joe. Oh, I mean Joe Burrow. Like, right. like, good well, yeah, you know. your good friend Joe. Yeah, my, you know, old pal Joe, Grandpa Joe. Yeah. Um, but we well, went to Ohio University. That's uh, where he's from, Athens. That's yeah. You have a little connection yeah. there. Eh, sort of. I know his dad better than I know him. There you go. Um, but you, anyway, you didn't make his house when you were there, did you? No, God no. I was too drunk. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It was uh, anyhow, I was in college. Relax. But anyway, <laughs> we. Um, uh, he, he had a really good point in his, in his presser where, you know, they, they dropped back to pass more than 40 times. Um, I don't know the exact number because um, he had four runs. I don't know how many of those were design, design runs or the one. He had the one at the goal line where it looked like, you know, it looked like a, one of those RPO plays, but I don't think he was going to keep it. And I think the Steelers. So what was the point? Without, You're derailing sorry, your own point. I'm derailing my own point. But they left Leo Collins and they left Jonah Williams on a lot of islands and in a lot of one-on-one matchups. When you do that, you also have Cordell Volson against Cam Hayward and you have Alex Kappa against Larry Ogunjobi. Like, that's a tough that's a tough ask. And Larry Ogunjobi used to play for the Bengals. Yeah, the, the line did, I, I did a really good job. And I think one of the things that you can kind of point to is say, oh, well, you know, they got the ball out quick and, you know, they did, you know, okay, maybe they chipped. No, they, they actually, they did get the ball out quick, but they really kind of left their O-line not out to dry, but they they left him in one-on-one matchups, and they played really, really well. So, um, you know, the offensive line deserves a lot of props for today, especially kind of the way the first game went. And you mentioned special teams. That's a good point. You know, the big story was, will Drew Chrisman start over Kevin yeah. Huber? And uh, your prediction, and you, actually both of y'all's prediction was that he would start. He did. He was activated on Saturday. Kevin Huber was inactive, and his first ever punt came after the Bengals' first drive, which was a 3 and out. 53-yard punt that Sims for the Steelers, the returner, fumbled, almost got tackled in his own end zone. Well, the ball did go. He, he botched it. And botched the it, did, yeah. The ball did go into the end zone. And, and that just shows you, I mean, he could have done better on the return, but a well-punted ball from Chrisman. Uh, I think he had, what, two or three punts from there? Three punts. Three punts. Three punts. He, he had two inside the 10-yard line. Yeah, yeah. So, to me, the... And then the, the other punt was in from inside his own end zone. So right. And he got it out, I think, 43 yards or something like yeah, that. Yeah, he was 43. Good, yeah, his long was 57. Good job to get um, it out of the end zone. I mean, it was a high-pressure situation. Right. Um, and the way that the game was turning at that point. They could decide to sort of uh, have him go back down and call him up a couple more times before making a full roster decision, or they could have decided that was enough and, and kind of make the switch permanent. Uh, but I obviously showed uh, on, a, on a field we're looking at right now that looks like a concrete playground um, that, you know, <laughs> that he's, 
he's up to the challenge at least initially, and so that could be kind of the uh, this could be it. This could be yeah. the, the the point at which they you know uh, Huber obviously the longest tenured player on the roster um, kind of eventually moves on here. Uh, but that was a positive sign on special teams yeah. all around. Evan McPherson gets back on track, three field right. goals, three for three, a 54 yarder. They came at a critical junction, uh, five for five now from 50 yards this year um, after missing his last two field goals. And they you know they kind of dismissed his struggles recently, missing two field goals in a row. And they said he'll be fine, and and he was. And so. So uh, the coaches know, you know, they let the, the media and fans freak out, and they just sort of, uh, <laughs> they, they know. I mean, he's, he's, he's young enough and confident enough where, um, you know, I think that they just kind of, they're going to ride well, with him uh, through the thicket then. Well, to me, I mean, the, the special teams are obviously great. Um, you know, you mentioned McPherson making, making all three of his field goals. I mean, they came from distance 45, 54, 44. Like, like you, you mentioned the field that we're looking at right now. It looks like crap. Uh, the wind was howling. It's it's colder than you know what outside right now. I think the wind chill dropped below twenty during the game. Like it it was not an easy. This is not an easy environment to kick in when it's sixty and sunny. Um, so you know, really hats off to those guys because like you look at some of these field goals. I mean, Evan McPherson's his forty five yard field goal uh, put him on the board first. Um, the Steelers eventually tied it, um, but you know that kind of allowed the Bengals not to play from behind. Um, then he makes that 54-yard field goal uh, to put him up by four. That would have given the Steelers at the end of the third quarter. That would have put them in pretty good field uh, field goal, uh, field excuse me field position. Um, Easy for you to see. Exactly right. Um, so the the Steelers, you know, they, they would have had good field position if, if McPherson missed that, but he drilled it. Um, then the 44-yard field goal at the very end, um, you know, made it a 14-point game. That was kind of icing on the cake. So. Yeah, I, I mean, really good job by the specialists today. Um, McPherson, 4 for 4, and has extra points too. So, you know, great punting, great kicking. And in when you get down to this time of the season, that is going to be what wins you. Like, those are going to be those three points here, that one point here, those points really, really matter. So um, you need those guys kind of firing on all cylinders as you get here to this home stretch. Hey, don't forget about the pit man, a visitor in his home stadium, the long snapper, Kyotomitis, man. How about him? I know the long snapper is the last person you think about, even on special teams, but hey, props to him. You know, that had to feel good for him. And you had a great story on that, Andrew, on his return to his hometown in the stadium. He played his four or five years of college ball. Five so years. Five years. Five years, yeah, COVID year. I have to get used to that. Five years of college ball in his home stadium. But uh, just to wrap up here, uh, how about some game balls? I know the actual game balls went to Trenton Irwin and the sack master, Sam Hubbard, Trey Hendrickson. And according to Zach Taylor, more players on offense that he couldn't even name. But um, when you think, just coming to mind, what are some game balls you'd want to hand out, whether it be players, coaches, anyone we can't even think of right now? Um, I mean... Uh, Look, I mean, I mean, Samaje is the easy answer, but I, I really want to give one to Lael Collins, and um, I guess I'll, I'll start with Lael. I, I don't want to give two out. I feel like that'd be cheating, and Mike would give me crap for it. Um, He's so gonna I, give you crap. Anyway, I'll give, I'll yeah. give one. I'll give one to Lael first. I thought he did a really, really good job against T.J. Watt. I mean, that's a guy who, uh, like, look, you go into a game, you're not going to say, hey, you know, we're, we're going to stop T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt's not going to do anything. He's not going to see the score. Like, that's just, that's it. That's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so you know he's going to get his. I mean, the interception he made 
there's nothing that Lael Collins could have done differently. Um, you know, That's Brian, TJ Watt. Brian Callahan said, uh, you know, this past week that he thought Lael Collins was playing his best football. Um, you know, he thought he was playing, you know, the football that he played right up there when he was going toe-to-toe with Joey Bosa. So, you know, I, I think that's kind of where he's playing at right now. And, and today was really helpful for that because against a front like the Steelers, you need you need your tackles to shine in those one-on-one situations, and he did. Michael? Uh, you know, I, I took players of the game kind of uh, as my quick, you know, I do three. Higgins was my top. I, I think he gets it just because, sure. um, you know, I, I felt that he needed a game like this. Um, and, and with, with Chase out, uh, I thought he played really well. I thought that was kind of the spark that kind of got the offense going on that drive where he, uh, you know, four catches, three in a row at one point. You don't see that very often, um, you know, a guy making four, you know, th- three first down catches in a row yeah. uh, against a defense. You know, usually they kind of say, wait, we should probably get that guy. Yeah. Um, and against Who's multiple, 85? Yeah, multiple different <laughs> quarterbacks. You know, they try a couple different things and none of them worked. And so uh, that that's a big game and I think kind of st- – Set up the rest of the game to, to go kind of unfold how it did. Um, so that that'd probably be mine. You know, you guys are going to laugh at me because you probably wouldn't even think of this, but you think about the way week one went, no long snapper because Clark Harris goes down with that biceps injury, and that pretty much is part of why they lost the game. I'm going to give it to Cal Adamitis. It's his homecoming. It's a good day for him. McPherson was perfect. Chrisman was just as good as we talked about. I do about. have to go back to this idea of a homecoming. He lives in Cincinnati. They're in yeah. Pittsburgh, and he was just here. He might have even been here during the bye week. He said he was here during the bye week. He was here. So it's Can not we like, not ruin the occasion, Michael? He's fighting in like a war. Like no, 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 hold on. Now, hold on. He's returning home from last week in a home-cooked meal. Oh, he never saw Lord. his family. It's like wow. that, that doesn't add anything to it. Hey, he, come on. Did you now. get so bitter? Uh, that's not bitter. That, that's simple. Like, I think well, does a homecoming I'm have to be keep, a war, though? I'm trying to keep homecoming the word special. No, it has to be a lengthy time. Like if he had but been, that's subjective. What, been uh, what makes it special? He for 15 years, and he came back to Pittsburgh. That's a homecoming. Like, Look, like when you haven't been home in a week, like in like high school, uh, like you didn't have a homecoming uh, when you went to college and we came back like the next day for like to have your laundry done. Your parents probably didn't say, oh, what a homecoming. They're probably like, what, you want your laundry done? So it's like it, you got to reserve the word. I, I think it's meant for more special occasions. Uh, wow. So you're still bitter that you didn't win the homecoming king in high school? No, I think I think it's <laughs> over, over overusing overusing Mike's not overusing it. Point is, it's a travesty to true. It's not. It's not after Thanksgiving, so I can't say Grinch behavior yet, but... No, I'm that's... saying keep the word, the meaning of the word special. I, I think that's what you guys are... Uh, you're devaluing the homecoming word. I didn't use homecoming. You used it the other week. That was when I got started. Well, with he did a story well, on it. a story on it. No, but before that, in the podcast. Not, not in your story. Not in your story. Oh, in the podcast. You just yeah. like, like a list of receipts? Because I'm honestly impressed that you remember all of this. Well, I mean, when somebody makes a giant mistake, you kind of wow. Well, all I'm saying is what did... What cost the, the the Bengals mostly cost them did not cost them. Today. And his emotional homecoming, obviously. Okay, there we show. go. Emotional homecoming. We'll leave it at that. Um, and again, we will have more. Well, on no. Okay, we we got to give one to Samaj P. Run. Three no, times. Well, he already you got one. Didn't get one. You said no. You were only going to give one. I think he, I and think he, he got one. Zach uh, gave it to We have an honor. Yeah, yeah, we got to give an honor. The Bengals one to kidnapped him to, to have him right. play. Right. So no, yeah. he can't. Okay. Honor game, game with three ball. career receiving touchdowns. Had three receiving touchdowns today. He deserves one. Honor game ball for Samaj P. Ryan. But yeah, stay tuned with us. We will have more reactions to this game later in the week, and we're going to have more breakdowns on the upcoming matchup against Tennessee. Every game is a must-win, but this is going to be another. 
big road game for the Bengals. But thank you again for tuning in to this post-game pod. Go to cleveland.com slash Bengals. Read all of our content that we have on this game. Make sure you sign up for Cincinnati Football Insider. 14-day free trial, $4.99 a month. But you will not be charged until the end of that trial. Once again, for myself, Andrew Gillis, and Mike Nisak, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. We'll see you soon.